Today's scripture reading comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 13, verses 31 through 35. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. All these things Jesus said to the crowds in parables. Indeed, he said nothing to them without a parable. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. The word of the Lord. Hello, friends. Uh, thank you to our stream team for all the work you're doing to make this live stream possible. Uh, thank you to David Jay for leading us in worship, uh, in, in liturgy and in prayer, so powerful. Thank you for Steve Williams. Thank you, brother, for your epic prayers, Evan, and our worship team, and Lori for reading that passage of scripture. Uh, friends, good morning. If I have not met you, my name is Eric Kapoor, pastor here at Trinity Presbyterian Church. We are in a series on the parables of Jesus this summer. The parables of Jesus are short stories that use everyday, simple, familiar concepts to teach spiritual truths. Now, these stories were Jesus's favorite way of teaching, of explaining who he is and what he came to do. As it says, as we just heard read in verse 34, Matthew says, Jesus said nothing to them without using a parable, a story. So if you want to understand Jesus, you have to understand his favorite way of teaching, which is these parables. And if you look at verse 35 of chapter 13 in the Gospel of Matthew, you see Matthew uh, is taking what he's saying, he's quoting from Psalm 78 to tell us that Jesus' parables fulfill a promise, a prophecy. The promise of God is to tell us things that have been hidden from the foundation of the world. That's quite a statement. These parables, these stories give us insight that is hidden to us, that has not been clearly seen or discovered since the foundation of the world. That's the power of these stories that Jesus told. It's quite a statement. You know, if this is true, I've realized that I personally have underestimated the power of these stories and the parables and how important they are. And I think on the whole, many Christians have. We need them. We have to have them. We need to sit with these stories to show us things that are otherwise hidden to us. And if these parables are true, or if, if this statement is true about the parables, then the parables don't confirm things to us that we already know, things that we feel comfortable and familiar with. Instead, they show us things that we don't already know, things that are otherwise hidden to us, so they challenge us to examine our assumptions, to take a look at our beliefs and expectations about God and his ways and about ourselves. And Jesus says, these parables will do these things to us if we are really 
listening. As I said a few weeks ago, uh, we don't interpret the parables. Instead, the parables are given to interpret us. So a sign that we have heard a parable rightly, that we've really listened to a parable, is not, oh, that was, uh, that was a nice story. That was such a, a quaint and wonderful little parable. Now, that's a sign that we've missed it. A sign that we've really heard a parable is that we are surprised, that we have questions, that we're wrestling, that we're rattled, maybe even a little bit angry. That's a sign we're listening. All this is, is really especially important for today's message and for these two short parables, because these two very short stories are about something that might be the most hidden, something that might be the most hard for us to understand about God and his ways, especially in our current time, and that is this. How are we to understand God's action and our action in a broken and hurting world? How are we to understand? How are we to see God's action and our action in a broken and a hurting world? Last week, the parable of the wheat and the weeds, if you were with us last week, was a story in large part about delayed action about restraint, about protesting evil, but leaving the role of judge and judgment into God and into his hands. With all that's going on, I could understand, and this is how it felt to me, that that might be a little bit frustrating for us. People are isolated now. We are isolated. We are feeling anxious. People around us are hurting and in need. Our nation is so divided. Injustice is prevalent. Racism still exists with grave consequences. And so we say, we, we need you, God, to act. And we need to act. Now, here's what we need to see. These are exactly the sort of things that people were thinking about Jesus at this point in his ministry when he told these stories. They were beginning to doubt him. They said, you're saying a lot. You're teaching a lot. You've done some pretty incredible miracles. But when are you really going to act, Jesus? They expected and they were looking for a certain kind of action because of what Jesus was always talking about. He was always talking about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not a, a set of beliefs or a philosophy or a concept. The kingdom of God is a power. The kingdom of God is the power of God's rule and reign exerted upon the world in every single dimension of human experience and human brokenness. That is what the kingdom of God meant, and that's how Jesus meant it. The miracles of Jesus were previews of what the kingdom of God looked like, the healing of the sick, God's power over the physical realm, over physical brokenness. Jesus is welcoming and healing of the lepers and of the poor and of the Gentiles. There is the power of the kingdom to heal social division in our relationships. There was the casting out of demons, the power of the kingdom over the spiritual realm. There's Jesus calming the wind and the waves, the power of the kingdom over the natural world. And the people were saying to Jesus, these previews are great. They are amazing. But when is the real action going to begin? Where is the real power? And that's when Jesus started saying things 
like this. The kingdom of God is like growing plants and baking bread. The powerful action of God in the world is like growing a plant and baking bread. And the people were saying, what are you talking about, Jesus? Plants and bread? No, we need action. We need power. We need a real kingdom, something that will make a real difference. And so Jesus told these stories to explain how that action and power comes through him. Let me have a slide displayed here on the main message of these parables. The power of God's kingdom has come, but it has come in a way that you will miss and miss out on if you look for it according to the way the world takes action and exerts power. Let's see if we can get that slide up on the screen. The power of God's kingdom has come, but it has come in a way that you will miss and miss out on if you look for it according to the way that the world takes action and exerts power. There it is. Now what can we learn about God's power and action in the world from these parables? That's where we'll start. What do we learn about God's power, God's action in the world, and then we'll spend some time on what that looks like for us. What does it mean about the kind of action we can take for a broken and hurting world to bring about God's power for healing and reconciliation? Now, these two parables and stories go together. One scholar said they're kind of like twins, but they're not identical twins. They're like fraternal twins. They tell a similar point in different ways and in distinct ways. So let's look at these one at a time. First, the power of God's small action in the story of the mustard seed. Kids, I want you to um, to draw a picture. Uh, usually I've, I've asked you to draw a picture during these live stream services. I want you to draw a picture of a, an amazing tree that's lush and healthy, a great tree with lots of birds in the branches. So let's look at this story as you're working on that, uh, kids. First, uh, the power of God's small action. That's what the mustard seed is all about. The kingdom of heaven, the power and the rule of God is like a mustard seed that a man took and he sowed in his field. This is the third parable in a row in Matthew 13 that talks about the power of the kingdom of God being like a seed. But this parable especially emphasizes the smallness of the seed. Look at verse 32. The mustard is the mustard seed is the smallest of all the seeds. Do we have that picture of the mustard seed? Let's see if we can get that up. It's a very tiny seed, as you can see. This is a black mustard seed. It takes about 750 of these to make one gram. Now, Jesus is not making a scientific statement here, okay? There are smaller seeds out there in the world than a mustard seed. But at the time, in his culture, in ancient Palestine, the mustard seed was known uh, prover proverbially. It was, it was pointed to often uh, as being the smallest of the seeds in the garden. And that's the setting here, uh, an everyday garden, people's everyday experience, not, not a forest or not all the world of horticulture out there. In the gardens of the time, mustard plants actually were often planted outside the main garden because they did grow so big and unruly, so they were planted 
on the outside. Now the mustard seed not only grows into the largest of the garden plants here in the story, it becomes a thriving and healthy tree that becomes a home for the birds of the air to come and make their nests. So what started as the smallest of seeds of the garden became the tallest of plants. It became alive and strong, providing life and shelter to others. Here's the main point. We'll put that up on the slide. Main point of the parable is just like the power of the tallest, most life-giving tree in the garden is packed into the smallest of seeds, so the dynamic power of the kingdom of God is present in Jesus in his small ministry of nobodies. Now think about this. If I said to you, I'm going to give you all the power. I'm going to give you all the resources. There are no limits. All the resources in the world. And your job is to make a difference in the world. Your job is to make the world a better place. Your job is to make a powerful impact in the world for good. What would you do? Now most of us would immediately think of something big, something massive, some explosive giant effort. But what did God do? Well, he came into the world as a baby. To be born as a nobody. To teach in the countryside. To keep a low profile. To die by way of execution as a condemned criminal. To spend most of his time and energy with 12 of his closest followers, minus one who got tired of all the slow, small work. To have 120 followers, even after three years of ministry and his greatest miracle yet, his own resurrection of the dead, just 120 people. And what was the result? Friends, what has been the result? The movement of Jesus has outlasted and outgrown the greatest of empires, rulers, and movements, bringing a more diverse movement than any other person or movement has ever brought in human history. How is that possible? As the old hymn said, Oh, where are the kings and empires now? Of old that went and came, but Lord, thy church is praying yet a thousand years the same. Jesus says, what looks so impressive to us, what looks so big and significant to us, is not the way that his power comes to the world. Instead, what looks unimpressive and small and insignificant to us is packed with such power, so great, to yield huge results over time in God's time. This dynamic is how God works throughout Scripture. God acts in small beginnings to bring about great endings. And the vice versa truth, truth is also true. What looks to be most powerful, most significant, the action that we think will produce the greatest results does not produce the change we hope for and the change that we need. God's work is small Organic, natural growth. And that is always more powerful than forced, than coerced or mechanical growth. 
God does not force. God does not coerce. God does not look for machines and robots. This speaks to how the power of the kingdom of God comes to the world in and through Jesus, in his life, in his death, and his resurrection. It's through seed power. And it also speaks to the normal way his power works in us now. If the seed gets in, this parable is saying, if it's really in there, it will grow. It grows. It will. And when we forget this in our own lives, friends, don't we often try to force it? Don't we often get discouraged? Be encouraged. If the seed is in, if it's in there, if it's in your heart, it will grow. Now this parable points us to a particular kind of growth that's very important for our time. The birds of the air in the story, that's a reference to Ezekiel 17, verse 23, and Daniel 4. Some translations, if you have your Bible, may bold it or put it in all caps or have a reference. The image there is the image of a kingdom, a powerful kingdom that includes all nations and all races. This is saying the kingdom's growth results in the safety and welcome of all kinds of people. And this is saying that a church's growth should result in the safety and the welcome for all kinds of people. This is saying at an individual level that a Christian is someone whose growth results in safety and welcome for all kinds of people. If the small seed of the kingdom's power is in us, it will do this. It has the power to do what nothing else, no human power can do, to reconcile, to bring safety and welcome to all the peoples of the world, people who are different. The seed of the kingdom has the power to reconcile. Now, I have one more little picture before we move to the second story. Kids, how is your tree turning out? I want to share a picture of my favorite, one of my favorite tree pictures. There it is. One of my kids drew that. The beauty of a tree. It's all found in a tiny seed. Let's move to the second story, which tells us about the power of God's hidden action. Kids, I want you to draw a picture of the best and most tastiest bread that you've ever imagined. Just, just draw that loaf of bread. But let's look at this parable. It's the parable of the leaven. And we need to know leaven is different than yeast. Uh, yeast is very clean, um, kind of this, this dry substance that we use now. And I'm not a baker, but I know many of you have been baking up a storm during quarantine, and we have eaten uh, some of the things you have baked, some of your bread, keep it coming. It's amazing. But leaven is, 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 not, is not the same thing as yeast. It's actually a small batch of fermented dough. So kind of like a sourdough starter. Here is a picture of, of, of what a leaven uh, might look like. Sourdough starter. There is, it's there in that jar. That's, that's the fermented dough. And you take a little bit of that. You mix it into the regular flour and water so that it gets into the entire bread and it rises, and it's all fluffy and tasty. There's a little more to the story that everyone would have picked up on in Jesus' day. Because Jesus is very specific about the amount of bread that this woman is baking. The leaven is very small, it's very hidden, but it's so powerful that it gets in to an entire 50 pounds of flour. The amount here is enough to bake bread for about 100 people. There's a contrast here. The small batch of leaven doesn't get in and get drowned out. The small batch of leaven gets in and it changes the larger batch. 
by getting worked into it. Now, the common uh, belief at the time was that the kingdom of God, God's power over every dimension and domain of life, would come into the world in an unmistakable, undeniable, and immediate way. That would be the evidence of the power of God. When God acts, he will act in a way that no one could miss. And we say, of course. That makes sense, right? If God's power is coming to the world, shouldn't it be in a way that we can't miss? Shouldn't it be undeniable to us? So again, if I said, you have all the power, all the resources in the world, go make a difference. What would be the first thing that you would do? Probably you would set up a website. You would start to promote on social media. You would get the word out there. You would advertise. You would go as public and as loud as you possibly could. But here, Jesus says the power of the kingdom of God comes in a way that is hidden to us. That's the key word. The woman took this, uh, this leaven and she hid it into the dough. The power is hidden. Here's the main point of the parable. We can put that slide up. Just like the power of leaven is hidden, but when mixed into the dough, it affects the entire thing. So the power of God's kingdom to change everything is hidden in Jesus. No one could see it, but it was there. The most powerful action that God ever took in human history on the cross of Jesus Christ, wasn't it hidden to almost every person who saw it? No one who looked upon Jesus on the cross thought this is the most powerful action God could take. They all missed it, especially the most powerful, the most religious, the most wealthy, and the most comfortable. It was hidden to them. Friends, this means some of the most powerful work that God is doing right now, we don't see and we might never see. It's behind the scenes. It's not where we give our attention and our focus. And some of the most powerful action in you. Hear this, friends. Some of the most powerful action going on in you, you don't see. And you won't see. Until it's gotten in and you start to rise, so to speak. It takes time. It happens over time. Even though we don't see it happening. This key word, hidden, it's also in some translations uh, translated mixed. It's kind of a combo word. It's, it's not just hidden. It's hidden and mixed in. It's mixed in and is hidden in everything. It permeates the whole thing. And the result is a pervasive effect. The kingdom of God over every dimension of life. God's power over the individual, the spiritual, the natural, the ecological, the vocational, relational, social, This is saying that the power of God to transform all dimensions of life is present and is hidden in all of these areas. And a church that cares about and teaches about the kingdom of God equips its people for action in all of these realms. And at a personal and individual level, a Christian is someone for whom the gospel of the kingdom is getting into every single part of us. It's getting mixed in. No part is untouched. No part is off limits. No part is unaffected. There is pervasive impact. So all the flower 
is touched. It transforms it all. No part is off limits or compartmentalized. That is the power, the hidden power of the leaven. You don't see it, but it's at work in everything. So let me transition and ask this question. The story of the seed, the story of the leaven, stories of great power, stories of small yet hidden power. So how does the power of the seed and the leaven work? You know, if you just hold the seed, like we saw that picture, the seed in the, in the hand, you just hold it, it's not going to do anything. If you keep your leaven in the jar, outside of the rest of the dough, it's not going to do anything. It's not powerful. It's not powerful until it gets in. Until the seed that is out of the soil gets into the soil. In the soil, it's, it becomes powerful to act. The leaven that gets mixed into everything in the dough becomes powerful to change everything. The power of the gospel of the small yet hidden kingdom it needs to sink into us, friends. And its power will go to work. It needs to sink into us. How God, how God, the greatest being, the most infinite, powerful, almighty, God, the greatest, became the smallest. God, the most glorious, the most beautiful, the one with the most splendor, became the most hidden. He hid his power and glory and strength from us, coming to us in Christ, so much that he would die a criminal's death. Now think about this. What is the greatest and the strongest power in action? The greatest power, the strongest action, is not to force and compel others to do something. The greatest power and strongest action is not to force others to do something against their will. That's easy for the strong and powerful. That's what they do to crush the weak and the powerless. The greatest power is to lay aside your power to serve. This is the kind of action. This is the kind of power that is announced to us in the gospel of Jesus Christ. A God who laid aside his power to serve. And nothing is more powerful than that. That's what needs to get into us, friends. That's what, when it gets into us, it goes to work and it grows and it affects everything. I want to share a passage from 1 Corinthians where Paul speaks about this. For this to get in. How does it get in? We need to lay aside all of our power, all of our action, and acknowledge that we are powerless. That none of our actions can get us into the kingdom. Nothing we can do can get us in. But when that power gets into us, then everything we do as we lay aside our power can be used of God to bring healing to the world. The Apostle Paul says it like this. Brothers and sisters, consider your calling. Not many of you were wise from a human perspective. Not many powerful, not many of noble birth. Instead, God has chosen what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God has chosen what is insignificant and despised in the world. Tiny seed, little leaven, 
that which is viewed as nothing, to bring to nothing what is viewed as something, so that no one may boast in his presence. How humbling is this? No one can boast of anything they do or any power they have. We are humbled by the gospel, and yet we are emboldened that the power of God can work through the weakest, through that which the world sees as nothing and insignificant, the power of God will come. So humbled, yet so emboldened. And when this power gets in and gets hidden and mixed into us, if the seed gets in, the tree will come. If the leaven is hidden, the bread will rise. This is the power and the action of God. Well, kids, I hope um, you finished up with your bread and you finished your tree. I want, I want you uh, now um, to listen to this final point, all of you. What about us? This is, this is God's action in the gospel. This is God's action that has to get in to us. What about the power of our actions? What about the power of small and hidden actions? few thoughts for application for us to consider. I believe we're living in a time where the adage, actions speak louder than words, is particularly important. It's more true than ever. There are so many words being spoken. Now, depending on what you follow, what news outlet, what social media uh, threads and accounts that you pay attention to, there are a lot of words. There's so much noise. What do these stories tell us, these parables, about the action we can and should take and the power we do have as Christians for a world shaken by a pandemic and divided and broken because of injustice and racism? What can we do? What should we do? These little stories can be our guide to powerful action. There are many ways and many things that we can do, but let's consider three main things from this story. First, and this is the preliminary action, a pre-action. First, we need to repent for how quick we are to reject the small and the hidden in favor of the big and the oppressive. We can put that slide up. This is our pre-action. When Christianity, when the church, when a Christian rejects God's small and hidden ways, more often than not, more damage is done than good. But when Christianity, when a church, when a Christian rejects God's small and hidden ways, more often than not, more damage is done than good. There's not time to go over the full history of this, but when the church um, was welcomed into the Roman Empire by the Empire or the Emperor Constantine and became, in essence, the official religion of the Roman Empire, we saw the mixing of worldly power with gospel power. And the results were not good. We saw this in the age of colonialism and imperialism. Now, all this, that's just a few examples from history, but all this has caused many people in the world to be unwilling to hear from Christians because of the ways that Christians have abused power or been corrupted and compromised by it. These parables are clear. The ends do not justify the means. 
In fact, the means we use reveal what kingdom we are actually building and what power we are actually trusting. So action one. We need to repent for ways we have sought to build the kingdom of God according to the ways of the kingdom of man. Consider this. Maybe the biggest and most public action Christians should take in our times, but in any time, the most big and public action that we should take before the world should be our own repentance and grief for the brokenness of the world and the way that we have contributed to it, which we prayed earlier in the prayer of Second Chronicles 7.14. Maybe that should be our most public action. Repentance is how the seed gets into a hard heart. It's how the leaven gets mixed in and in places that it has not yet reached. So that's that's a pre-action, reaction, pre-action of repentance. Two, two final thoughts here. Don't despise the power of small action. And take small actions. If it's true that the most significant things we can do always start small and they grow organically, then to help someone else make a small beginning is a huge thing. To help anyone else make a small beginning is a huge thing. And when we see that small beginning happening in us and in others, we don't despise it. The great preacher Charles Spurgeon preached a sermon. Um, it was called, uh, Do Not Despise the Day of Small Things. Uh, it was on Zechariah 4.10, which says, Do not despise the day of small beginnings. And in that sermon, uh, Spurgeon said, It is a very great folly to despise the day of small things, for it is usually God's way to begin his great works with small things. And here's the point. I want you to hear this. We ought to delight in anything and everything that looks in the right direction and never think of despising it. We ought to delight in anything and everything that looks in the right direction and never think of despising it. And we live in a time where it seems like everyone delights in finding anything and everything that they see as headed in the wrong direction and delight in despising that. What a powerful force it would be if, for Christians, we delight in anything and everything that looks in the right direction and we never even think of despising it. It might not be as far along as we want it to be. It not might be where we are, but if it's headed in the right direction. Let's delight. Delight in it. Encourage it. Because God is doing a work on issues of justice and race. Can I ask you, what direction are you headed? Have you thought about that over the past few weeks? Are you headed in the direction of a tree that is safe and welcoming to all people? Are you helping the church be more like this? Instead of maybe feeling the pressure to do something big or say something big, big which, which may be something you're called to, can I ask you to consider, make a small beginning. Uh, this week, our denomination held a webinar, second in a series of webinars on racial brokenness and the power of the gospel or a gospel response. And this one was entitled, Listening to Black Voices. So leaders from our African-American ministries spoke to us. And the, the burning question we all 
wanted to hear uh, from them on and that they spoke to is what can we do? How can we act? And here's what they said. They said uh, four things. Listen to us. Lament with us. Pray for us and for justice. And then fourthly, they said, stay with us for the long haul. There's a lot of big stuff happening. And a lot of it is necessary. But they said, the small, slow work is what will turn the church into a tree. The slow, hard work is what will turn a life into a tree. And that struck me, friends. As we think about big things that need to be done, big changes that have to be made. This is what our African-American brothers and sisters said. And a part of me said, well, that, that seems so slow and so hidden. And they were saying that this is, this is an issue that has been with us for over 400 years in our country. There's a direction that is changing. We can participate and celebrate in that. But would you stay with us for the long haul? That struck me deeply. And my Trinity family out there, would you hear that message? Lament, listen, pray. Stay with this for the long haul. Don't despise the power of small action. And lastly, trust the power of hidden action. In our world, there's a demand for loud, immediate, and obvious action. And sometimes this is necessary and called for. But these stories tell us not to expect deep and lasting change from the loudest and most immediate action. Jesus' way to powerful change His way to powerful change and long-term effect is through his hidden, powerful work. Now, Jesus' most observable actions, his most hidden actions, let me say this, Jesus' most hidden actions were the ones that had the most long-term effects. Think of (laughs) Jesus' method. What, what had the most long-term effect? Jesus spent most of his time walking through the countryside with three, three men close to him. Three people. He spent his time with three people. He loved them. He spent time with them. And then nine other people. Twelve people in total. Having deep friendship, living life together, eating meals. No one who saw this at work thought, this is the most powerful force that will be unleashed that the world has ever seen. But it was. Don't underestimate the power of faithful, hidden presence. That's what the leaven does. It just, it's itself, it, 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 it is itself in the dough. It just needs to be there, all mixed in. And so we trust in the power of faithful obedience to Jesus in the world, being distinct and faithful to obey all that Jesus has commanded us to do and to mix everything he said into everything we are what we say and what we do and what we think into our biases, prejudices. Nothing's off limits. But live all of this out, not separate from the world, but within the world as a faithful hidden presence. Those who don't believe like us, those who differ from us. There's no power in staying separate. The leaven has to get mixed in. So speaking judgment from afar on social media or whatever it may be, 
That's a far cry from leaven being mixed in, living with a few, and following Jesus faithfully. The final thing I'll say to wrap up is we trust in God's amazing power in his small and hidden ways. There's another, there's another way that Jesus used the image of a mustard seed. He said, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, he uses the same image again, you would tell this mountain to move and it would get up and move and nothing will be impossible for you. Now, we often get this, this story totally wrong, this, this image and metaphor. The point is not get your mustard seed faith and go out and move a mountain. I've never seen anybody move a mountain. I've never seen that happen before. So what's the point? What's going on? The point is you don't even have a mustard seed. If you did, you would do amazingly powerful things like move mountains. You don't need even a mustard seed, Jesus says. It's not the amount of your faith. It's the object of your faith. And so he says, turn the slightest little bit of your faith in your reliance upon God and his ways and let him do the work in and through you. It only takes a little bit, not even a mustard seed of faith in us for the power of the kingdom of God to go to work. Trust in God's small and hidden ways, friends. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for these stories that challenge us. We thank you for these stories that are so different than the way that we think, that challenge us to the core. We need to hear this message, Lord Jesus. We so long for you to act in our lives in all the ways we're struggling in this time, in all the struggle we see all around us. We're calling out for your action, and I pray that as you hear those prayers, that as you lead us into the ways that you are calling us to act, that we would remember how your power goes to work, and that we would open our hearts in ever-increasing ways for that power to get in and into every single part of us. Help us walk by faith, not by sight, and help us be faithful. Help us be faithful and trust you, even when we don't see even when we think it's not enough, even when we doubt, even when we don't know what to do, help us trust. And by the power of your Spirit, lead us step by step to trust in your great power that has come in Christ. We pray in his name. Amen.